0: you're listening to Kingdom Dynamics. You are a new creation Christian, which means you stand in heaven and on earth at the same time. You're actually a spirit man that'll live forever, wrapped in a body. As you see what the Father's doing and do it, as you hear what the Father's saying and say it, you literally bring heaven to earth. I'm here to release you to be who you really are. Enjoy listening and don't forget to share it. Hey, welcome back to the Kingdom Dynamics podcast. I have a great message for you guys today and it is about the Kingdom of God as usual, but I felt that the Lord wanted me to communicate to you the core message, the vision and the purpose of this podcast and to really go back to basics and to explain everything again. And so I hope you really enjoy this. Um, First of all, I felt led by the Holy Spirit to tell you that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so for some people, that's really important. Um, But I want to give you a kingdom understanding of that. Um, And so Jesus, as we know, was the baby of Mary. Jesus was a man, a son of man. We know that the Bible says that uh, Jesus came and, um, in the flesh and dwelt among us. We know that Hebrews says that Jesus was made lower than the angels and for a little while now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. And so we know that that Jesus Christ is Lord is three different words and three different, um, you could say, parts of Jesus. And so Isaiah chapter 9 says, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And so clearly this chapter 9 of Isaiah is speaking prophetically about Jesus. And it's interesting to me that he calls, Isaiah here, or the Holy Spirit calls Jesus a child and a son. It says, unto us a child is born. So a child being born, well, that would clearly be Mary um, giving birth to, to Jesus. So Jesus is the child and Jesus is the son of man. And then it says, for unto us a son is given. And so the son here wasn't born, the son here was given. And so this is talking of the Holy Spirit um, giving the son of God. This is about Jesus Christ. This is the second part of his name, Christ. So Jesus was Jesus Christ. Jesus, the son of man. Christ, the son of God. Jesus Christ the flesh, Christ, the spirit. So Jesus Christ is Lord. Lord is the word Adonai. And the word Adonai means mighty ruler, mighty ruler. And so when we say Jesus Christ is Lord, as we know, 1 John said, we need to test the spirits. And um, any spirit that that says you know you cannot say Jesus Christ is lord other than by the holy spirit and so looking into that you know what what you're saying when you say Jesus Christ is lord it's more than just a religious sort of saying you are saying that that Jesus the son of man the child that was born Christ, the Son of God, the Messiah, the the Son that was given. See, Jesus said, "I came from heaven," and they said, "Well, no, you didn't come from heaven. You came from Mary. We know where you're from. We know your mother and your father and your brothers. You know how can you say you came from God? Well, He did because the Christ came from God, the Son came from God, the child came from Mary." but the Son came from God. And so Jesus Christ is Lord. You're saying Jesus, the Son of Man, Christ, the Son of God, is the mighty owner. And so when I say, if you're testing the spirits, if I say Jesus is the Son of God and the Son of Man and he owns me, he is my Lord, he is my mighty owner, then we know that we have heard from God. And that's what he's talking about because it is only by the revelation of the Holy Spirit that you can know God. Jesus says that the Father draws people to himself and no one can come to the Son unless the Father draws him. And so you and I have that great privilege of being ones who have seen, you know, and believed in God. We've had our eyes open like Peter who – so in Matthew 16 when Peter says you are the Christ – You are the son of the living God, Jesus said. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. So Jesus is saying that it's only by the revelation of the Holy Spirit. You see, the church has forgotten that that there is a spiritual realm, and that really everything has to do with that spiritual realm, and anything that happens on the earth is a reflection of what's happening in the spiritual realm. But I digress. And so Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is Lord. The Holy Spirit reveals to us that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so 2 Corinthians chapter 4, um, it says that the God of this age, in verse 4, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the good news that displays the fullness of Christ, who is the image of God. And so we know that we, like Peter, have had our spiritual eyes open. It's in the spirit that we're born again. It's in the spirit. Jesus said that we need to be born again in order to see God. But I want to say to you, like Hebrews, that this is only the beginning. This is only, you know, step zero in the kingdom. Jesus said, verily I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. John chapter 3, verily I tell you, verse 3, Jesus said, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. And so again, you see this same connection here, flesh and spirit. Jesus was born The flesh, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's Jesus. That's the child who was born. But Jesus was also the Son of God, the Son that was given, the Messiah. And that's the Spirit. In verse 6 here of John 3, it says, Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. And so you and I, we're born again because we were born of water and the Spirit. We were born um, of our mum and dad, but then we were also born by the Holy Spirit. We have new birth. And so we're actually born again. Now, I don't know if, whether that water is talking of water baptism or not. Um, but we then, then he goes on to say, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from. Again, Jesus is talking about spiritual things. Now, Nicodemus didn't understand these spiritual things. And Jesus said, you're a teacher of Israel, and you don't understand these basic spirit, physical things. It, verily I tell you, we speak of what we know and what we do testify of what we've seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? So you can see here, there's this, there's these two things here. There's this invisible realm of heaven that the God of this age has blinded your mind if you're an unbeliever. Um, and then there's also this physical world. And then you've got the same with Jesus. He's a son of God who is spirit who's the messiah who's the anointed one but he's also the son of man and then again in John chapter 3 you know there there are things that are flesh and there are things that are spirit and then Hebrews says let us move beyond therefore in chapter 6 the elementary teachings of Christ and be taken forward to maturity and so we need to move on i'd say that you know most churches need to move on, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God and of cleansing rites and baptism and the laying on of hands and the resurrection of the dead and God permitting, we will do so. And so that's what this message is about today. God has told me to to return to the basics, to return to the, the foundation of this kingdom podcast and the purpose for which I started it. And so I have three really basic points and those three points, so it's these basic things that God has told me to do and what they are are these three points. I want you to, this is really huge, this is really amazing and I really want you to get this because this is the meaning of life and I just hope that today that you can decide to make this a decision today. I just really pray that today that the Holy Spirit would open your eyes, that you would really get it, and that you would be able to make a decision today, that you'd be able to put all doubt out of your mind, that you would be able to put all questioning out of your mind, and that you wouldn't be like Eve who was deceived, that you wouldn't be like the Galatians who were deceived or bewitched, that you wouldn't be like the churches in Revelations that, that had to repent, although we continually repent, but that you would just make it. A decision today to move forward in the kingdom, you know, because the Bible says continually, "Do not fear." The Holy Spirit says, "Do not fear." You know, Jesus says, "Do not fear." Fear not, for I have overcome the world. Now, what is fear? But it is fear is there to stop you. The Bible, God said to Gideon, "Fear not, for I am with you." To Moses, "Fear not, for I am with you." And when God says, "Fear not," and when an angel says, "Fear not," He is saying, "Don't stop." He's saying, "Don't stop." But keep moving forward like a plant. If you're not growing, you're dead. You know, we must keep moving forward. There are so many scriptures in the Bible that require us to keep moving forward. The Bible says if we persevere until the end, we will be saved. We must not stop. And so fear is stopping. Uh, And so I just pray that the Holy Spirit would give you the ability today to really make a decision drawing a line in the sand that will Uh, remove all question for you, that will remove from your mind any doubt, that, that would catapult you into continual growth so that like in 1 Peter, You would be able to add to your faith knowledge and add to your knowledge self-control and add to your self-control brotherly kindness and love, that you would be perfect as Jesus said, be perfect as my Father is perfect. I pray that you would move into believing today. And so here are the three really basic but really profound points. Point number one, the meaning of life is the kingdom of God. The meaning of life is the kingdom of God. I'll say it again. The meaning of life is the kingdom of God. The reason God made you, the reason God made humankind, the reason God made heaven and earth was to expand his kingdom. Yes, it was to have a relationship with you, but the purpose of your life is the kingdom of God. That's why Jesus himself says, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. And so I want you to make a decision today to seek first the kingdom of God. I want you to make it your priority. If you're a Christian, if you're a Muslim, if you're an atheist, your purpose in life is the kingdom of God. You'll never find true meaning, you'll never find true satisfaction, and you'll never experience true provision until you make the kingdom first. As we know, Jesus said, if we seek first the kingdom, all else will be added to us as well. But I want to tell you that God made you spirit, soul, and body. God made you in his image. And the only way that you're going to function properly is to be fusing your body, mind, and soul, and spirit for the kingdom of God. The true satisfaction, true purpose, true meaning comes from the kingdom of God. There is really nothing else to do. If you're a doctor or a lawyer, your purpose is the kingdom of God. If you're a mother or a teacher, your purpose is for the kingdom of God. And so that is what God is doing. That is the thing that God is interested in. God was pursuing the kingdom of God in partnership with man through Adam. God was pursuing the kingdom of God in partnership with man through Moses, through Noah, through Abraham, through Jesus, and all through The book of Acts and the New Testament. God is seeking first the kingdom and his righteousness, and God is continuing to do that. And so, as a Christian today, and as any human, you can tell anybody this their purpose, the meaning in life for them is to seek first the kingdom. And only when they seek first the kingdom, only when they make the advancement of the kingdom, their number one priority, will they truly find meaning in life? Will they truly find significance in life? Will they truly find satisfaction in life? Because we were made to not only be in relationship with God, but we were made to expand his kingdom. We were made for that one purpose. And Jesus says, for this reason I came to destroy the devil's work, to expand the kingdom. John says that, We need to to walk as Jesus walked. Jesus said, as I was sent, I am sending you. Now, the problem is we don't know often what the kingdom is. And, And that really brings me to point number two, which is that the devil will always try to steal the seed of the kingdom continually. Jesus told us that in the parable of the sower in Matthew chapter 13, that the enemy will come immediately to steal the seed. And so we have to be on guard. We have to make sure that like Peter, we're adding to our faith knowledge. We're adding to our knowledge, self-control, that we're actually moving forward, that we're not stopping in unbelief, that we're not going backwards. We're not sinning and turning away from the living God, but we're going to move forward. We're working out our salvation with fear and trembling. I want to talk to you a little bit about the concepts of the kingdom. Under this point, number one, understanding the kingdom. We need to understand the concepts of the kingdom, because if you were to go back in time today, and to go back to the Stone Age, if you were to go back in time to where you know people had no technology, they had no um, <clears throat> no internet, no telephone, no television, no electricity, and try to explain to them the internet. They would not have the context to be able to understand the internet, no matter how intelligent they were, no matter how much understanding they had of 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 their own world and how things operate, they would you would never be able to explain to them the internet because the internet <clears throat> is a convergence of of multiple technologies. The internet is a convergence of telephony, of computers. Uh, of calculators, of electricity and a whole bunch of other things that have actually come together. The, The internet is a combination of telephone networks and computers. It's computers, you know, that are connected by telephone networks. And how do you explain that to someone who doesn't know what a telephone is? How do you explain that to someone who doesn't know what electricity is? How do you explain that to someone who has never even seen a calculator or has never even heard of maths. And so that's what it's like for Jesus trying to explain to us, especially us in the 21st century, what a kingdom is. And so Jesus uses parables and he says the kingdom of heaven is like the kingdom of of heaven is like a mustard seed, the kingdom of heaven is like a farmer who sows seed, a kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who goes away and leaves people, uh, leaves people in charge of his things and expects them to look after them, and so it is even more difficult for us in the you know Western democratic sort of world to understand the kingdom because we we don't we haven't lived in a kingdom, uh, we haven't experienced what it is to be in a kingdom. We weren't here you know, during kingdom times and Roman times and colonization. And so there are some really big differences between a kingdom and a democracy. I mean, here are just a few. And the reason I'm saying this is because you won't, How are you going to understand the kingdom of God? How are you going to seek first the kingdom of God if you don't know what it is? How are you going to seek first the kingdom of God if you can't explain it? How are you going to seek first the kingdom of God if you don't really have a context for a kingdom? You see, in a kingdom, the king is supreme. The king owns everything. The king is the landowner. The king uh, makes the law. So let me give you an example. In in Australia, the prime minister, or in America, the president uh, doesn't own everything. If Donald Trump or or Scott Morrison gave land to one of his family members, that would be considered a crime. <clears throat> but in a kingdom, if a king was to give an entire country to his son or daughter, that would be considered a benevolence that would be considered normal similarly in australia or in america if the if the king is is making his own if the prime minister is making his own rules that's considered corruption that's considered treason you know because the parliament make the rules the the congress and the parliament come together on behalf of their people and they make the rules and they make the laws so but in a kingdom the word of the king is the law. The very spoken word of the king becomes the law. That's why Nebuchadnezzar would make a decree, and everyone in the world had to worship his image. That's why John the Baptist was beheaded because Herod, you know, you spoke his words and promised half his kingdom to the daughter of Herodian. Um, of of his brother Philip's wife, and so once, and he didn't want to baptize, uh, cut off John the Baptist's head, but he had to because he had already spoken it. And so the word of the king becomes the law, and the law cannot be changed. And so Jesus said, My words will never pass away. Even though heaven and earth pass away, my words will never pass away. So in a kingdom, the king owns everything. In a democracy, the prime minister doesn't own everything, the people own everything. In a kingdom, the words of the king are the law. There is no Congress, there is no parliament. There is only the word of the king. In a kingdom, the king's, uh, you know, owns everyone and the king's words are the law. There are a whole bunch of other uh, things in a kingdom that, that I could go on about, but I just wanted to to give you those few examples of how different our concept is in a Western democracy. And I want to encourage you to go and to read The Cosmic Initiative by Jack Taylor I want to encourage you to read um, "Rediscovering the Kingdom" by Miles Monroe. Um, I want to encourage you to read history books about Rome and the Roman Empire. Jesus used very, very, very many Roman, uh, Roman words and Roman examples in the Gospels. The keys to the kingdom that he he was using a Roman technology. Romans used to carry. Uh, a key on their body. Romans were the first people to invent keys that were made out of metal. Um, Romans used to carry keys and the keys that they carried on their person gave them access to the resources of, of, of Rome, of, of their house. Um, the Ecclesia, Jesus called his church the Ecclesia, which was a Roman uh, a political term. It was, the, it was the same word as Caesar used for the, the Senate. So Caesar would ramble on about whatever he wanted to ramble on about, and then the Senate, the church, so to speak, of Rome, was responsible to implement, this is huge, implement the words of Caesar. And so if Caesar said, oh, you know, I don't really, you know, I don't like Jewish people, we, we're going to kill them all, then the Senate would, would make that happen. You know, or if 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 Caesar said, you know, I want to um, I want to build aqueducts, I want to build roads, then the Senate would then take his words and make them happen, and they would send out what's called a de- decree, and that's why Paul says, you know, in Ephesians that the church is the pillar and the ground of truth, and we make known, we make known to the principalities and powers the mysteries of God, and so. The the church is the ecclesia that surround the king. So we are in the courts of the king, and we, the church, hear what the king is saying. If it reminds you of anyone, Jesus was saying that he only said what he heard the father saying and did what he saw the father doing. At that point, the kingdom was just Jesus, the king himself walking on the earth and it was limited to himself. But then the Holy Spirit fell on those 120 people in the upper room and suddenly we had a senate, we had an ecclesia. And so that senate was hearing what the king was saying and they would implement it. And so our job is to make known what the Father is wanting to do. And that's what comes back to the point number one, which is seeking first the kingdom and expanding the kingdom. It's not enough... To seek first the kingdom, what that because what that means is you need to seek first the interest of your kingdom, and so you're on the earth to advance the interests of Jesus. You are on the earth to advance the interests of your kingdom. If 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 you're an ambassador uh, to Australia from the United States, you know then you're you're here in Australia to, to negotiate trade deals that would benefit the United States. If you're here as an ambassador from the United States, then you're protected by the United States Army, you uh, have indemnity by the United States Army and military and government... And you are, you're provided for by the United States, everything, your your housing, your car, your travel, your pass, your health care, everything is covered by the United States. But you're here not just to seek first the United States and walk around kissing the American flag, that would be a waste of time. That's like Christians going to church and worshiping God, you know, that's great, but is, is it actually advancing the kingdom? Jesus said, the violent take the kingdom by force. You know, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. So theres it's more than just, you know, kissing the flag. If that ambassador was here and just kissing the flag and talking about how great America was, that would be good. But that ambassador has been paid for and funded to advance the interests of America. So he's here to, to make sure Australia is Is working for America to make sure that our trade deals are are favorable to America, to make sure that there's peace with America. That's why Paul says to pray for the leaders, pray for your government, because as ambassadors, we are here to advance the interests of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Now, if you don't understand what a kingdom is, how are you ever going to seek it first? And if you're not seeking at first, how are you ever going to advance the interests of our kingdom? Now, imagine if that ambassador from America was here in Australia advancing his own interests, you know, not going to meetings with parliament, not meeting with congressmen, not taking phone calls from head office. You know, Imagine if Donald Trump was ringing him and he didn't answer the phone for six months, for a year. I'm telling you, the uh, the American military would come here and arrest him, and strip him of his ambassadorial, uh, you know, authority, and possibly send him to Guantanamo, or at the very least, you know, fire him or put him on a desk job. If that ambassador of the United States, who is sent to Australia, is advancing his own interests, doing business deals, running a, a chain of cafes. Not turning up to parliament, not negotiating for the interests of America, he will be thoroughly pursued and thoroughly punished. And Jesus says the same thing you know, when the Son of Man comes back, make sure you're not beating his servants, make sure you're not asleep, make sure you're ready. Don't be like those five virgins who were asleep, be like the virgins who are wise. That is why it is so important to understand the kingdom. It is not only understanding the kingdom, it is not only seeking first the kingdom, but it is critically about advancing the interests of the kingdom. Now, what are the interests of the kingdom? Setting the captives free, proclaiming liberty to the captives, proclaiming the acceptable year of the Lord, lifting off the chains of people, you know, setting the captives free, proclaiming You know, healing to the brokenhearted. See, Jesus didn't only proclaim the gospel of the kingdom, but he confirmed it with signs and wonders following. That's why Isaiah 61 is our mission statement. That's why Isaiah 61 was what Jesus read about himself. He said, I have come to preach the good news of the kingdom, to set the captives free, to open the eyes of the blind, to release those who are bound, to break their chains and set them free. And so you and I as Christians, when we wake up, and seek first the kingdom, and understand the kingdom, and put the kingdom first, and make the interests of our kingdom our number one and only priority. Only then will we find meaning in life. Only then will we be satisfied. Only then will we find that all of our needs are met. I want you to come out from from under the rock and hiding, and come up and and let the light of God shine on you today. Number one, this is my first point is seek first the kingdom and understand it, but also seek first the advancement of the interests of our kingdom. And so what are the interests of our kingdom? What are the keys to the kingdom? How do you use those keys? Why don't prayers get answered sometimes? This is your responsibility to figure this stuff out. The Bible says by... um, you know, prove yourself approved to God by studying the scriptures, Paul said to Timothy. Um, make sure you're approved to God, uh, Paul said. Uh, here it is here. Uh, Where's it? 2 Timothy one five. Uh, yeah, 2 Timothy 2.15. Show yourself approved to God. Dividing. Oh, here it is. Beautiful. Oh, beautiful. Um. Work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly